0: Hello and welcome back to Compliance for the Sake of the Patient. I'm John Mitchell with Steve Sponbrook again. How are you, Steve? Hey, I'm good. How are you, John? I'm doing well. Excited today to, to talk a little bit about pathways. You ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to keep continue our series Um here and just looking forward today to getting a little bit into the details about the site itself um, and just how to deal with pathways, moving things in and out, moving people in and out, and how to keep how to keep the site from being contaminated and you know just being mindful about what we're bringing in and out um, around the healthcare.
1: Facility. Yeah, so, and so these are some of the details that that we see that are often I don't want to say overlooked, but probably not given quite as much thought as the others. You know, we've talked in the the first couple of episodes, we talked about, you know, creating barriers and creating differential pressure and how important that is to maintaining the air quality in the occupied areas with the patients. And then, you know, one of the easiest ways to defeat all of those efforts is to not pay attention to how we move Material, debris, you know, de- from demolition and people in and out of the construction site. Um, you know, in a perfect world, we'd always have an exterior door that, you know, went straight into our construction site and we could just completely bypass all of the occupied spaces and our healthcare organizations as we're doing these projects. But in reality, uh, most of the time, that's not going to be available to us. So, you know, we have to think about, well, how do we do Uh, do the job that we've been hired to do and construct this space and particularly get people and materials into the construction site and then back out of the construction site without causing harm to the patients or others. And so um, part of it is looking at, you know, what are are the high risk things that we're going to be doing in terms of movement? Well, one of the biggest ones is moving the material that we demo out of a renovation site. You know, we go into an old area of the hospital and we tear down a bunch of stuff and you know that dust dirty and yeah yeah and then we've been trying so hard to contain it right with our barriers and our differential pressure and we throw all that into a wheelbarrow and then we roll it right down the corridor (laughs) you (laughs) know um and it's silly as that sounds and i chuckle as i say it because it seems kind of crazy to think it would happen we see that unfortunately happen uh more times than not and again you know i've I've probably said this a million times now it really comes down to an education level of the people who are doing the work you know helping them understand why it's totally inappropriate to throw a bunch of construction debris and wheelbarrow and roll it down you know the oncology floor for example so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um thinking about and, and putting processes together and um, there's a lot of different ways to do it, In particularly, I mean, let's think about the the material that we've demolished first, and then we'll talk about bringing new material in. But uh, you know, when we, once we've got debris, and one of the things we we want to do is get that debris out as quickly as we possibly can. We don't want that stuff piling up. Um, it creates fire hazards. It creates other hazards. Um, so, and, and besides that, the Joint Commission and the other AHJs want us to remove it. Uh, as quickly as we possibly can so at the basically at the end of each day or maybe several times each day depending on the amount of work we're doing we're going to be taking material out of this construction site possibly through occupied areas of the hospital ultimately to wherever our you know dumpster is or wherever we're going to dispose of that material outside of the structure so you know the first thing we want to do is is take a look at the hospital itself and think okay you know the most expeditious way to get this done is to go from point a to point b but the safest way to do this might be to go from point a to d and then back to c and over to b um and bypass areas like sterile processing and or you know have as much distance as we can have between critical areas of the hospital and the material that we're trying to move that's one way of doing it um in addition to that, though thinking about the fact that we're we're rolling these carts or equipment or wheelbarrows or whatever they are into this construction site, they're getting dirty while they're there and then we're gonna load them up full of dirt and material that's going to be contaminated as well. So the question is how do you get that stuff? out safely well you know certainly there's multiple ways to do that one is you know the first obvious thing is we cover that material right we cover those carts Um, but then what about the cart the material the the equipment itself that's contaminated Um, having a process particularly if we're going to have to go through high risk areas of the hospital or even any occupied space to make sure that the external components of the cart or whatever equipment we're using to move materials out of the site uh, aren't leaving contaminants behind the wheels for example you roll the wheels across the floor they're going to pick up dust and debris and then we're going to roll those out into the hospital and i'm literally doing site surveys followed wheel tracks to (laughs) construction sites before you know And so, um, and we've, I think we've talked about this in the past, but when you, you know, I always say visible dust to me is like the canary in the mine. You know, if you see that visible dust, you know, the stuff that we're concerned about is there in abundance. So, um, you know, how we, you know, thinking of pathways that make sense from the patient's perspective and the hospital's perspective, not necessarily the contractor's perspective. You know, sometimes we have to literally go the extra mile to, to provide a safe project. Um, the other thing we can do is we, you know, with enough forethought and planning and working with the owners of the hospital say, Hey, we need quarter one Oh two and one Oh four for the length of this project. And, you know, if we can, close those off to everyday you know traffic then we can do basically what we need to do with and minimize exposure risk we still have to be careful about how we cover stuff Um, but the bottom line is we've now got you know and, and, and i've seen organizations designate elevators and corridors and things um, and it is inconvenient for the hospital for a while, but it certainly provides a level of safety um, that is much greater than commingling our patients and our staff in construction material and debris and even the people that work in those sites. So there's a couple of little tidbits that are possible. So How
0: often do you see that? How often do you see the, the dedicated pathway like that, something that's set aside? I mean, it seems like the administration would have to really buy into the need for this to... go to that extent too you know
1: well yeah absolutely i I, you know it's becoming more and more common i will say that um good it is becoming more and more common and 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 part of it is absolutely a sales job for administration to understand why it's important and that you know it takes a village it takes the construction people who typically um, aren't the ones advocating for this as much as the infection preventionists perhaps are. But, you know, once the IPs and the facility managers and the construction management team, they all reach the same conclusion that the safest way for this to happen is to, you know, dedicate elevator eight to moving uh, supplies and debris and uh, you know workers in and out of the construction site and you know then it becomes a much easier way to convince our our c-suite folks that hey look you know the, the risk assessment and management team for this project is a unanimously agreeing that the best way to do this we understand it's going to be inconvenient and and there's going to be some blowback there always is you know it, it usually comes uh from folks that use those elevators most commonly Um, A lot of times it comes from the docks, you know, I hate to pick on the docks, but a lot of times it does, you know, but that then it becomes, you know, if the C-suite buys into it, then that becomes a message that they can manage a lot easier as well. So, you know, I think we are seeing that more and more, you know, we're seeing uh, investments in exterior lifting equipment, uh, buck hoist and exterior elevators that can be used to move people and material in and out of construction sites and it's much you know there is an expense involved but it's much more convenient for the contractor as well because they're not having to constantly uh, clean themselves and cover up and be as concerned as they would be if they were passing through the hospital yeah um but again you know the the real Crux of the matter comes back to education of everybody on the construction site about how important it is to follow these pathways once they've been designated. You know, we see this a lot where, you know, we've picked and one of the most common questions I get, one of the most common questions I think we all get, is what? How do we get our subcontractors that are only there for a few days or maybe a week? to follow the rules and and that the simple answer to that is you got to train them and you got to You, you also got You got to give them the education. You also got to explain why, you know, going back to Simon Sinek Um, and you've (laughs) got to make sure that you hold them accountable for that. And and so um, but that's probably the most common thing that we see is there'll be one or two people that aren't playing by the rules and that creates, you know, significant problems potentially for the patients and everybody else. So, um, you know, once we've, we put these plans together, execution is really important. We're going to spend, uh, the next session talking about monitoring and monitoring from my perspective is more than just looking at air quality and checking equipment. It's, it's monitoring the whole plan. And, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully have a, a guest that'll, he's really, really good at, putting those things together and yeah uh, yeah That's so that'll be that. fun but you know kind of getting back to the pathways thing so you know it's it's easy i think a lot of people look at demol- demolished material and and the risk that represents and why we got to be real. that seems like the obvious that is thing. the obvious yeah. thing and yeah. then they go but you know what about there's a whole nother side yeah the new construction material right and, and so sure. you know, a lot of times we'll get into this discussion and say well you know we're going to bring you know, jip board and studs and whatever, you know, all the stuff we need um, through the same pathway. And the question is, do, do we have to cover that material? Well, where did it come from? Right? It came from a construction warehouse. It came from a maybe a lumber yard. better not be a lumber yard, not, not in healthcare anyway. But, um, yeah, it's it, chances, you know, unless you know, that that stuff is in really pristine condition. You know, we run the risk of introducing pathogens into the airstream just bringing that material in. So, you know, being a little bit proactive, taking one extra step, covering that material on the way in, I think provides a tremendous level of safety. And again, you know, if we're, when we get into the monitoring discussion and we start talking about using air quality measurements. You know, you can see it if you're paying attention. When stuff is moving around, if we're not paying attention to it um, showing up in that data, so
0: so as you as you bring that new material in, it I mean, it does seem just intuitive that this stuff is going to be cleaner. But you're saying bringing it down that same pathway, even that you brought out the old stuff, is going to contaminate it, even if it
1: is clean. Is that true? Well, not so much that. Just the fact that the assumption is it's got some. Level of contamination coming from, from the field. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. yeah, hopefully, if we've done what we're expected to do and need to do to protect everybody, that pathway is going to be relatively clear. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, if now that being said, if it's a construction zone, if we're going from one to another, in fact, we saw this not long ago where there were actually. Kind of two phases that were being simultaneously constructed in an organization and there was an or corridor that divided them and you know not really thinking about it the, the folks were going back and forth from one phase to the other phase that were going on simultaneously crossing probably one of the cleanest areas or at least what we expect to be one of the cleanest areas in the hospital And they just hadn't really thought about it until one of us looked and saw it, and you know our jaw hit the floor. And uh, you know that's just part of that. Again, is just I think being aware and 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 you know sometimes it's good to have that that separate set of eyes that hasn't been involved. Objectivity. Uh, Yeah. 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 Absolutely.
0: So what, what are the, what are the issues? You know, you, you think about all of this planning beforehand, but then, you know, we talked a little bit about education, a little bit about accountability. Um, what, what's going through the mind in your, from your perspective and in your experience of, of the workers, they're tired. Um, you know, their, their heads are kind of down in their work. Um, and they end up going to places they shouldn't when they're dirty, they end up, I
1: think you mentioned cafeterias at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's well, one of the challenges that we have, I think, is is helping them understand that, you know, they themselves, depending on how much and what they're doing, can create risk for the patients. You know, they're going to be working, you know, particularly if they're the ones that are that are doing the real labor involved in the project. And they're exposed to all this dust. It lands on their, their clothing. It gets on their boots, it's particularly on the soles of their shoes. Um, and then, with, without really thinking about it, they leave and go on break and head to the cafeteria, or you maybe go out to hopefully not on campus, but to the sidewalk to have a cigarette break or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, tr- that transit from the construction site to wherever it is, and and, and then oftentimes it is in the cafeteria. And the reason the cafeteria is important is, you know, now we're sitting in the space and we're commingled with particular, you know, potentially staff, patients, mm-hmm. visitors, everybody. Um, and, you know, it's not that, the, that we're, you know, um, was it pig pen was the, the (laughs) lioness character. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're not that bad, but we're kind of close. Right. So we, you know, we do potentially uh, create risk for them and can contaminate other people while we're, you know, and and usually what we try to do is keep construction folks out of the cafeteria. And if they're going to be using common spaces like that, then there are ways to make sure that they do it safely. And one of which is, you know, they either cover up, while they're working and then uncover when they leave or they cover up when they leave and uncover when they start working again, you know, using a cover all like a Tyvek suit or something that's incredibly uncomfortable and hot and a pain in the, you know what, to put on and yeah. take off. But um, the, the upside in terms of safety is there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the other piece is, is paying attention to, you know, we put these sticky mats and in other ways of controlling dust from shoes and boots and things, um, and making sure that those measures are working the way they are supposed to work and not bypass those. And uh, working with the hospital recently, and, and just because of the logistics of where we set up from an office perspective and where most of our meetings occur, we transit the hospital, and the hospital's going through a major. Um, infrastructure upgrade. It affects virtually every square inch of the place. And, uh, and they've got it sort of cordoned off in ex- construction zones, if you will. And um, But uh, j- just the last time we were there, we in the morning for the early morning meeting, heading down the corridor, you know, here comes, you know, one of the folks out of the construction site and they're headed towards the cafeteria to get a bagel or a cup of coffee or whatever they're going for. And we could literally watch them lay down boot prints all the way down the hallway, you know, and then a few hours later we go down the hall for another meeting and it's, they see another person doing the same thing. right? And it's, You know, we're we're doing we're going on this extreme effort to contain the dust with, you know, the expensive barriers and HEPA filtration and differential pressure and monitoring of that. Um, But then something is as simple as, you know, I'm going to go get a bottle of water and not thinking about the fact that I'm contaminated defeats a lot of what we've done. Wow. So you got
0: you've got these well-meaning human beings who are on these sites and we all believe none of them are doing this intentionally but what are what are some of the you know the best companies the best organizations you're working with and seeing what are they doing to make everyone on site aware and understand the risks I mean what how do you educate and what, how do you make that happen practically
1: Yeah I've, I've seen some very from some very sophisticated education programs to some very simple ones, equally as effective. Um and it starts I think first of all, it starts with believing in it yourself. Right. If you're mm-hmm. responsible for the project and you understand that we're still unfortunately causing 14 deaths every day in our nation due to construction related infections and you get that and that becomes something you can no longer tolerate personally. More Um, than compliance. Yeah. Yeah. Then you start talking about it differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people, when they, when they interact with us, with me, with some of the other people on our team that have uh, been involved with this for a while and have seen, unfortunately, the dark side, um, Mm -hmm. they sense that. Right. And, And so You know, I was working with one hospital, this has been several years ago, and it was a small hospital, community hospital, probably less than 100 beds. and, And they had several construction projects going on, and they were some of the best I'd ever seen. I mean, just hands down, best I'd ever seen. And I finally said, how are you pulling this off? And he said, you know, I've got this process, I call it my tailgate speech. And I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, I've taken a, uh, I got a presentation that goes through things like the chain of infection and, you know, the pathogens like Aspergillus and, and you know, the things we're worried about the most and, and how they're transmitted and, you know, how as a, a, a contractor on our site, they can contribute to infections to patients and what that means, which is oftentimes they don't survive. And he said, I got that in about a 20 slide deck PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. I just printed it out on eight and a half by 11 pages. He said, so we get a new contractor shows up. We go out and we drop the tailgate on their truck and we sit down and we go through those 20 pages with them. And then we get the most critical part of that is then they get them to sign it, you know, and that signature, it, it one, it gives them a record. Obviously they've done this in service for that contractor. But from my perspective, when I heard that, I thought, you know, what that, that does, from the contractor's perspective, is it, it it validates that they've had this training and they understand it and they're making a commitment to live by those rules. And so, you know, and again, it kind of starts with and I know that's a thread that I stole and I keep going back to it, but the truth is, I mean, it is reality. Um, yeah, you know, when when people understand that their actions have consequences, then they, and like you said, most, I'm convinced 99.9%, if not higher than that, uh, would be horrified to know that something that they did contributed to an infection that caused a patient to pass away. I mean, it'd just be something probably that would be life-changing. So once you connect those dots with them, that, that how they handle these things and that, you know, these rules that we have created in terms of cleanliness and in terms of pathways and in terms of barriers and differential pressure it's not to try to make your job harder Um, it's to keep these patients and their families and everybody in the organization safe Um, and failure to adhere to that has potentially really bad outcomes for folks Um, then they're going to comply. And uh, you know I've seen that played out too many times in reality, not to believe it wholeheartedly. And so, you know, I, I try to make it a point every chance I get to provide just a little bit of education to anybody who's willing to listen. Um, yeah. Just this past week, you know, and a brand new construction project manager in healthcare never has never worked for, in a hospital or for a hospital, but has done construction for about a decade. And I said, and he, you know, we're sitting across the lunch table from each other. And he said, uh, you know, you got any advice for me? And I said, you know, if there's one thing that I could get you to, to take and comprehend today, it's that we are still killing 14 patients every day due to construction-related infections in our hospitals in the United States. And that's unacceptable. Um, and he was shocked. He'd never heard that. Um, wow. So, you know, but now... He's interested, and in he's you know he's how can I learn more about this? And there's lots of ways. You know, Ashy has some great programs, and get him connected with that. And, um, you know, hopefully this podcast is is another one, albeit uh, high level. But and, and I certainly, I'm not believing that this. You know, you can listen to these five or six episodes and be an expert. Um, you know, it's. Yeah lots of education that needs to happen. And the the more you, and I said this to him the the other day too, I said, yeah, every day I learn something new, you know, I've been doing this for decades and every day I learn something new. And that's, I think that's the key too, is being open-minded and willing to, um, to have constructive criticism and see things differently and, it's That's That's amazing. A it, answer to your
0: it's question. It's good. No, answer. I mean, I, all the education <laughs> in the world, all of the, um, all the PowerPoint slides in the world, don't make somebody change their attitude. They may make them change their mind, but it it takes stories. It takes um, a, a, an impact. It takes a, putting the tailgate down and having a man-to-man or a person-to-person conversation about the human lives that are being affected. I mean, that's why we're that's why we're recording this podcast. Let's be honest; in the long run, yeah. it's those 14 patients a day. It's not just the education, and it takes both. It takes a passion and stories, and it takes actual information. And um, however you can make that happen, it takes a leader who cares at at the depth of who they are and not just in their brain. You
1: know? Yeah. And, you know, uh, hopefully next episode, we're going to have a gentleman named Gordon Burl That's going to join us and talk about monitoring in addition to uh, some other things, but, you know, Gordon, you're talking about you know, PowerPoint slides, not quite conveying the message. Gordon had one that he put together probably geez, 15 years ago or so. And, uh, it had a dusty construction boot. And it was animated with these little dots that went across the screen. And then a picture of this horrible fungal infection on the leg of an unidentified patient came up and uh, he went on to tell the story of it essentially was a 16 year old patient that was uh, being treated for leukemia and of course had no immunity system as a result of that. And, um, had gotten a fungal infection from essentially that very scenario, dust from foot traffic, and ended up losing her leg. And mm. you know, but it's a pretty graphic picture. I mean, the first time I saw, it, I was like, Oof. you know, <laughs> I don't really want yeah. to look at that. Um, but, that but you don't of, forget it. But you don't forget it. And so, yeah. um, you know, and his point was, it's all about connecting the dots between what we do and how it impacts the patient and then putting mm-hmm. barriers in the way. And that's what, you know, so when get back to the pathway discussion, it's like, as we're moving this stuff out, particularly, you know, contaminated debris from an old area of the hospital, it's probably had multiple leaks and, you know, is who knows what kind of fungal spores are, are in this material um, to just, haphazardly roll that out into the hospital puts everybody at risk. So, you know, yeah. yeah, is it, does it cost a little more and is it more time consuming and more effort to take plastic and wrap that up and duct tape it tight before we do that and clean the wheels off before we take them out of the construction site? Yeah. You know, for the, the, and for the patient that doesn't get exposed to that, it's absolutely worth it. And our, yeah. you know, our measure of success is we do this project, and nobody gets sick, nobody gets hurt. You know, it's, it's sort of the absence of an outcome that tells us we did it right.
0: Yeah, man. Well, an- another good conversation um, that ends with you know the the combination of of education and and story and actually bringing human life into the conversation. Um, And so hopefully today you heard something that moves the ball forward in terms of safety and our contribution to and your contribution to to making sure those patients 14 a day in construction do not get exposed um, to uh, to damaging things. So, Steve, another another uh, 30 minutes, uh, probably two, three hours of stuff packed into 30 minutes. You talk fast. Um, You did great. Um, But uh, again, thank you for listening today. And uh, we'll see you next time on Compliance for the Sake of the Patient. Thank you, everybody.